0: we are db i'm danielle joined by brenton hi thanks for joining us this month for our honorable mentions episode as we take the opportunity to talk about a great film that just missed out on being on the imdb's list for the best movies of all time this month rated at 7.6 on the internet movie database by millions of film lovers from around the world is the godfather part three Released in 1990, 16 years after Part 2, this film is set in 1979 and stars Al Pacino and Andy Garcia in leading roles. Godfather Part 3 is an Italian-American mafia film and serves as the third and final part of the Godfather saga. Just like the first two parts of the saga, the movie is written for the screen by Mario Puzo and co-written, produced, and directed by Francis Ford Coppola. Let's talk about The Godfather.
1: Like I mentioned last month, we'll not only take this opportunity to talk about Godfather Part 3, but also the Godfather saga as a whole, because this is the the last chapter. So we will split this into a spoilers and non-spoilers section for Part 3, but we could have the possibility of having spoilers of the first two parts. Just keep that in mind. Be sure to go check out those episodes if you're interested in our discussions on Part 1 and 2. So, the the film is set about 20 years after the last one was set, but it was 16 years after the last one was made. Okay. I didn't realize, which is probably a little ignorant of me going into this film, and it's probably common knowledge that Mary was played by Sofia Coppola.
0: I wondered that. Who is yeah. the
1: director's daughter, mm. but she's also went on to be not only an actress but a film director. Oh really? Yeah, and she's known for the Virgin Suicides, Lost in Translation, um Marie Antoinette. She
0: Oh, she so... did. Ma- okay.
1: Yeah, so she has a she has a particular style that she's also
0: That's the only one I've seen and yeah, it's a little bit different. Yeah, it's a little obscure. Which though that said, like these movies are a little bit different too, so that doesn't totally surprise me if she was like around her father and seeing the way he directed his films so
1: well i think her father francis ford is the executive producer on most of her work
0: Mm. interesting
1: i think it's interesting seeing michael corleone pacino's character Mm. in this compared to when you very first see his character at the beginning scene of the first godfather
0: well because he's old now yeah and I think I said that to you. I'm like, wow, he's really aged. And not just his looks, but he sounds much different. Yeah, he sounds
1: like Pacino that I know him for Yeah, in most recent things. He's got that gravelly voice where he didn't have in the 70s.
0: And these are the only movies I've ever seen him in. I wasn't familiar with any of his other stuff. Mm. Like, he doesn't sound like the way I was used to hearing him sound, and he doesn't look the way I was used to hearing him look. Like, he definitely... I don't know if they made him up to look older, but I feel like at this age, he settles into the character very nicely. Yeah. Do you know what I mean?
1: Well, because at this point, he's meant to be like an experienced Don. Mm. Um, I actually think that I like Pacino better in this movie than the previous two. Maybe because he's had that several years more of acting experience, he's got a bit more character to it. Which is oddly enough, this is the only one he wasn't nominated for an Oscar for, but I kinda like it better.
0: Well, and he feels he really portrays that essence of wisdom and experience a lot more, like you said, like you just you feel like with his character, you know, he's older, he's a bit softer, but not gone soft.
1: You you kinda believe him to be in that role a little more. When you first see him become the Don at the end of the first Godfather, he's very young and he's sitting there next to Brando. Um, and you don't believe him to be the Don, you know what I mean? He fits well into this role better, I think, uh, in this movie than the previous ones. I, I've i always had this perception that the first two Godfathers are masterpieces and the third one falls flat. This is me without ever seeing it. Mm-hmm. And I think it would if you've seen the first two bunch of times if you grew up with them, and then the third one comes out 16 years later. But for me, watching them in quick succession without having any sort of predisposed ideas, without having that nostalgia effect, I kind of like them sort of equally. Like I do like the first two better, but not by much.
0: I felt this one probably one of the easiest to follow. Yeah, Maybe that's because I'd already seen the first two and I'm like, okay, I have an idea of the feel of what they're going for here so i kind of knew what to expect i also just found this one more interesting and like i felt they really laid it out for you like now we're in america now we're in italy you know what i mean like it was easier to follow whereas in the first one i feel like we're in sicily we're in america we're in sicily we're in america you know it was kind of all over the place Mm. they all did have a bit of a different feel to them Mm, yeah um i don't know i quite like this one and upon, you know, ruminating on it, I think I liked all of them. Would I watch them all again? Yeah, probably, but only because they were difficult to follow and I kind of want to appreciate the story better, so I want to see it one more time and be like, okay, I think I get what's going on here. Let's let's just solidify it in my mind kind of thing.
1: That being said, I think this is the most easiest to follow, but it's it was still confusing. All three of them are pretty... Mm. You have to be paying attention if you haven't seen the movies before, just to be able to follow along, like who's who, because like like well, I said in the first it. Godfather discussion, they're all just Italian names, they're all just wearing suits. It's like who's that guy? Who's that guy?
0: I think I said in one of the in one of our other Godfather episodes, you almost need like a cheat sheet of names and faces to yeah. be able to follow along. Again, this one kind of lays it out a lot better for you because it in the beginning too, like there's a lot of new characters, so they have to. They have to lay it out for you, you know what I mean? And they have to introduce, like, these are the kids, now they're grown up, what do they look like, who are they, you know what I mean? And Mm. they're much more rounded characters as they would be at this point.
1: I've heard people's ideas before where they've said... They probably shouldn't have just made the third part and just left it as one and two. And I can see an argument for that. But I really think that this was kind of necessary and I kind of like it in its own terms. Um, I'm glad that there's a third part showing these certain events and concluding the saga because I don't think the end of the two was a very good conclusion.
0: No, I agree with you. And what they do here, it shows the consequences of his actions Mm. in the first two movies
1: I think this is a good addition to the saga. I think the entire trilogy, all three of them, are focused more around character and character development more than big concepts or the cinematography or even story. Yeah,
0: you're you're following the progression of Michael.
1: You're following the progression of a series of characters. In the second one, it's definitely Vito, but throughout all three of them, it's definitely Michael. Mm-hmm. And I really quite like that, like, there's quite a lot of long scenes about dialogue and the interactions with people and how they handle situations. So it's really, they're three long character pieces, really. Mm-hmm. More so than an action film or a historical film or something. You know, it's really based on the the characters.
0: It looks at issues of humanity a lot. Um, all three of them do. Like what? And you see that it explores themes like greed and tragedy and and, the
1: relationships
0: yeah and dynamics and family all those sorts of things they really go into depth and they look at how they intermingle in life and what are the possibilities for how things could play out as much as it's not relatable you know this dynamic of being a rich mob family i think they both did a really good job of making this a very human film you know what I mean? Like, the the emotions that are projected by the characters are very relatable.
1: Yeah. I think this film shows Connie's character. I really more, liked that. Yeah, I yeah. really liked it because she's got balls and it actually finally shows that. She has grown since the last two parts because I think for the first two parts, she was more of a, just a side character and she was a bit of a pushover.
0: Well, she was, and she she didn't have any substance to her. Yeah. Because of what she had gone through with her marriage and everything.
1: Her relationship. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, and she just, she didn't have values, whereas now it really shows that she does have values. And I think she's with Michael all the time now. You know what I mean? Like, I think since the second movie, she'd probably been living with him because she, basically, she ran out of money. She was living the rich girl lifestyle, but never had any money. And so he's like, just come stay with me. I'll take care of you. Is I think what happened? Did that happen? I'm not sure. Um, And there's different points in the movie where Mary says it's strange just having Aunt Connie in the house or whatever. Right. Um, So I think she does live there with him. And you can really see that like she's taken on his values. Yeah. I really liked having that strong female character here. And you're right, she really does. She does things that, you know, need to be done, even though Michael doesn't want them to be done. Yeah, and And she she didn't
1: make those decisions in the first couple. No. Um, Obviously, it wasn't her position to in any three of them, but she still did in the third one. We had a discussion in the first episode about those women in the mob scene, and they just didn't seem to be portraying them as as a big part of it, or someone with power. And Connie really has shown that growth, and there that is evident in the third film.
0: And you know, I think in that kind of demographic of people, these mob women, I think that strength comes with age, because, and this is just going purely off, you know, Hollywood and their conceptions of this, but you tend to have two groups of women in this world. You've got the young women, who sit down, shut up, and turn a blind eye. And you've got the older women, the seasoned women.
1: Who you don't mess with.
0: Exactly. And I think that comes with age. And I think that's the change that we've seen in Connie, is that she's gone from being, Mm -hmm. like, in the first one, young and just married and being taken... Well, and taken advantage of. I mean, her husband beats her and everything. To, like, I'll cut a bitch. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, she, she definitely would... And she did in the movie.
1: It was kind of refreshing to have that character uh, in there.
0: And revived. Yeah, no, I I really appreciated her character.
1: Let's talk about Vincent's character for a second because he's a very interesting sort of character. Vincent's Sonny's son. And you see elements of Sonny, Vito, and Michael all in some of the actions and things that he says.
0: He goes through a significant amount of growth.
1: Through yep. the course of the through film. Through the
0: course of the movie, and I think they showed it really well.
1: It's very noticeable from the very beginning to the very last scene, the way he handles that scene. He's not disturbed at all about some of the things that he happens. He's very cool and calm and thinks logically. Like, he's, he doesn't really show his emotion apart from anger.
0: Yeah, I think part of that is because he didn't grow up as a Corleone because he was born out of wedlock right? Yeah. So because of that, he so badly wants to be a part of the family that he holds that probably as his highest value. And part of the reason why he's not affected by anything is because he knows that in order to be a part of the family, he has to be able to handle and condone this sort of stuff. Well, it just makes I mean?
1: me think, what other experiences and things has he done previously to be able to, to express that?
0: Well, he's he is involved in crime life. Like yeah. He's got a club... Um, right. That yes. probably runs things out of So he just He's involved but he wants to be Part of the Corleone family Yeah Well because he's working with Joey Zaza At the beginning of the movie He's a muscle man isn't he uh, yeah. it, was, it was
1: a little unclear to me
0: He was working for him It's, it's really not significant yeah. But the point is that he did have some involvement yeah. And then through the course of the movie Like you say it's very evident to me too right from the beginning that he is Sonny's son and i think they they chose that element of him having a really short fuse to show that and i think it was a really good idea because that's the main connection you make between the two of them you know that they're both just can get angry really quickly and michael even says something like that he's like oh he's just like his father yeah, you that know was what funny. i mean and then throughout the course of the movie you do start To see that growth because Michael takes him under his wing. And I love those moments where Vincent is being, you know, his own self. That's a lot more like Sonny, where he talks without thinking.
1: Mm. And he
0: just turns to him and says, Vincent, will you shut up? You know what I mean? Will you just just stop? Because you're not being rational here.
1: See, even in those scenes, Michael handles them very well. Which is, again, showing that he's learned, he's got the progression. Well,
0: and he always was kind of like that, and he specifically learned from Vito, you know, right before Vito died. Michael was his consigliere? Is that what, what they're called? He was his right-hand man, basically. Like, he he was always with him all the time. He learned everything he could from his father before his father died. And so you see that he knows exactly what he needs to know, and because he's got kind of that more calm, cool, collected thinking everything through sort of personality that's why he made such a good dawn and you can really see that progression in vincent throughout the rest of the movie because he goes from being that short fuse ready to blow at any second to being very calm by the end of the movie which you see and you see those lessons kind of being slid in here and there throughout the movie they'll be you know never show anyone what you're thinking or you know don't hate your enemies or whatever. There were those kind of lessons slid in throughout the rest of the movie.
1: It's interesting that you compared it to Vito and Michael's relationship of the first one because there are a lot of comparisons there mm. um, with him taking him under his wing and preparing him um, for this role. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder why they decided to add in the weird cousin relationship between him and Mary. Like, I don't think that that was necessary. I know.
0: I didn't like it. Well, it gave...
1: It showed that he was reckless and neither of them really think.
0: It was weird, I think. Part of the reason why they put that relationship in there is because there's a there's a dynamic between Michael and Mary that you see throughout the film and it starts to create a lot of tension.
1: I wonder how much of this movie was actually set in reality because it relates a lot to the Vatican for some reason. Um, I, I say that just because... John Paul I was actually a pope who was elected around then. He was the pope for 33 days before he died of a heart attack in his sleep. And they depict all of that. um, Hmm. And they talk a lot about finances and things. So I'm just wondering how much of it actually relates to what was actually happening in the 70s. I'm not sure. It's a
0: good question. I'm not sure. I didn't know that. Mm. Kind of ballsy if they did portray it that way, honestly.
1: It's kind of a defamation thing, isn't it? Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I wonder why they added in... So much of that Vatican, because it wasn't in the first one. it was very Italian, very Catholic. They didn't go to the Vatican. I
0: liked that they added it in. I think it added an element of old family Italian culture that we didn't get to see in the other two as much. So I appreciated it, I think, because I think people underestimate just how important the Catholic Church is to Italian Americans. I appreciated it. And it made it interesting.
1: Just a interesting bit of trivia. John Kasel
0: Who's that?
1: He played Fredo in the first two. Okay. He was only in five films. Ever. Ever. He died in the late 70s. Um, I think he had lung cancer. He was uh, dating Meryl Streep at the time, actually. Really? Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: All five of those films were nominated for Best Picture at the Academy Awards. And then this film there's archival footage of him right at the very beginning mm-hmm. and this film was also nominated so it was six for six. Hundred percent that's um, interesting best, best picture i think uh we're going to go into spoilers now okay about what happens toward the end of this film because this the final hour or so is very tense the use of the music
0: oh my god it was so it was just sitting on the edge of your seat the whole time because they're at the opera. Have you ever been to an opera? No,
1: I haven't. I was actually sitting there watching that. I'm like I would love to just like get really dressed up and go to an actual traditional.
0: I went when I was in Ukraine. I went with my mom and it's very much like that. Like yeah. get dressed up, sit down beautifully adorned building. Opera halls too, they're so beautiful grand you know Um, every
1: element of it is mm -hmm. just like it's nice to be in that area i've never been to a show where they've actually used the orchestra pit
0: really no i don't think so operas themselves are very very dramatic like there it's just high emotion the whole time so that was a really clever way i think to incorporate sort of the ambiance and the mood that they were going for there because yeah for how long probably
1: at least 45 minutes yeah it was just
0: like <laughs> like
1: they the spliced time. together a bunch of elements that were all high tension it was um
0: all the while with the music with the exactly, operatic music yeah. in the background. there was the yeah.
1: scenes where the assassin was looking at michael connie was looking at the other guy who was being assassinated
0: don altebello
1: and the pope was being killed at the same time all mixed in with these very tense scenes from
0: like the, on stage the play yeah. that
1: was being played i think it was, it was done really well
0: i thought it was too I turned to you and I said, I can't take this anymore. (laughs) It's just... Yeah, it's too tense. It's too... Like, you could cut it with a knife. It was too much.
1: I think these movies are kind of the gradual progression of Michael sort of turning into the villain because definitely toward the end of part two, he's not really liked. And then in the beginning of part three, you can see how the last 10 years of his life that we've missed, he doesn't have very good relationships. Not with Kay, not with his family, not with his kids. And he, he's trying to hold on to that and redeem himself. He's trying to...
0: In the second movie, he was trying really hard. Like, there was that scene before his mom died where he's asking, you know, like, how did... I think he was asking how did dad not lose his family or whatever. And she said, well, you can't ever lose family. And that's kind of just Kay. Because she isn't Italian, she doesn't have those same values.
1: Do you disagree with that statement?
0: What statement?
1: It's the, his gradual decline. It's his, it's his fall as the Don, really, and he's trying to grasp onto the last good things of his life, really.
0: It's interesting because it's very evident and in line with his character that he doesn't want to embody that role. He never wanted to be a villain. And in this movie in particular, he's trying so hard to do everything legitimately. He doesn't yeah. want to be involved in crime. And there's that line where he says, just when I think I'm out, they pull me back in again. I think it's an interesting statement because I think it is true, even though it's very much not the trajectory that he wants or has ever really wanted to follow.
1: No, I think that's a that's a good point to note that... He always tried to do it the right way and be the man that he wanted to be, but for a number of reasons, he went in this other direction. I'm saying it's not be- not necessarily his fault, but it still went that way.
0: Mm-hmm. No, I'd, I'd agree with that. And I think that some of that tragedy that I was talking about, that's the sad part, is that no matter how hard he tried, he couldn't get away from it. You know what I mean? He couldn't get away from... The life. Yeah, and having to embody those negative aspects of it.
1: Yeah. Honestly, I think the scene that has really stuck with me kind of more than the the first two is that very last scene where Michael dies in Sicily. Mm -hmm. Now, I looked it up because the movie doesn't actually tell you. That scene is meant to be set in 1997, so nearly 20 years after the previous scene at the opera. And... When we were watching it, I thought, that's an odd scene to put in there. Why would they do that? There's no dialogue. It's just him sitting there and he dies of a heart attack or old age or whatever it is. Um, and I just thought, why did you add that in there? You didn't have to. You, know, you could have ended it at the previous scene or added something else in there. Mm-hmm. But now that I've had a couple of days to process it, that one keeps coming back to me because it shows... That it was kind of all for nothing. Like, he died sad. Like, it really was a tragedy, and that's the nail in the coffin is that last scene. Yeah. He dies alone in Sicily. It's just such a sad scene. Really, it is. And that, maybe this is why they said it in 97, that's 50 years after the first time you see him at the wedding. You've basically got the entire life of this person, and you can see his entire trajectory from 47 to 97. And how he started out and where he ended up. And it's well, really is such a sad story.
0: It is, and it's nowhere it's not at all where he wanted his life to go. You know, he he joined the army against the wishes of his father and his family because he wanted he wanted to do something that wasn't part of the family. You know what I mean? And he I think I think you really explained it very well that it really is the nail on the coffin there.
1: If they didn't have that last scene you could think to yourself, maybe he went on and fully redeemed himself or he he had a great relationship with his family and his kids because you do see that progression throughout the movie. But that last scene, adding it there, you're like, oh, this is endgame, this is what, how he actually ends. It's just kind of sad to see that this is the last scene that you'll see of Michael Corleone mm-hmm. and you've been on this long story with him for for 50 years but sitting there watching the movies, it's been like nine hours with the same character and you're yeah. following him. So it's really quite an investment and that's the last thing. I just think it was very powerful.
0: I do as well.
1: Going back to Vincent's character and how he, he's not really phased by anything, that very last scene on the steps of the opera, he's kind of shown as pretty heartless because he's, he just doesn't really have any emotion, especially after Mary's shot. He's just like, ah, oh, well, shit. Like, yeah. he doesn't really... Um, express himself the way michael does in that scene or even Kay, which is interesting
0: i think it's fair though because i mean if you lose a child versus losing a partner the connection parents have with their children is a lot deeper True. especially considering that those two in love as they may well have been they didn't actually know each other for very long i was just
1: expecting more of a reaction that's all
0: i think it's not within his nature Honestly, yeah, that's my point. The character, yeah, it's
1: it's, it would be out of character for him to show that emotion there,
0: and he did show as much as he was capable of showing. I think, yeah, he he,
1: well, he showed that initial anger when he shot the the guy, and then he was just sort of not not much else after that because that's essentially Mm -hmm. the number one emotion that he presents. Mm -hmm. I did notice the first time Anthony sings for Michael, you do sort sort of see this. Uh, disappointed look on his face because he was he was wanting him to do law school he was he wanted him to go into the family and he went on this other trajectory
0: this is when he was playing the guitar yeah yeah
1: which again a very good comparison to Vito's relationship because michael was wanting to do his own thing as well Mm. um the difference there michael got sucked in and anthony didn't but i thought that was interesting to note because by the end in the opera scene it's, it focuses on Michael's reaction to his performance there, and there's a growth there. He can see that he's happy for him.
0: And he's so proud. And he's, Yeah. Because it, he's not just, you know, playing gigs at a bar. He's, he's,
1: he's very good. That's and what he's I mean. Very, he's sticking to that, uh, his Italian culture and embracing that. And
0: like he points out in the hospital, it's a big honor to have his debut operatic performance in palermo yeah at the opera house like he's not he you know you hear him say pursue music i'm like in the garage band style no in like a very honorable fashion you know what i mean so i can see where that pride came from i think it's interesting at, by the end of the movie you kind of think things are starting to turn one way because you can see you know Got quite a good relationship with Mary. It's a little bit strained, but, you know, you figure that's going to work itself out. His relationship with Anthony is a lot better. His relationship with Kay is a lot better. So you're kind of thinking, oh, maybe this is going to go the happy ending kind of way. And it so doesn't, which I think is refreshing because you're starting to see more now, but not a whole lot of movies will go that tragic route.
1: Yeah, they usually like to wrap these things up in a nice little bow and everyone's all happy by the end of it.
0: Well, and the problem there is that that's not how life goes. Yeah. And...
1: None of these movies have really been about that. They've always gone that other direction, really.
0: Yeah, which is good. And I appreciated. And as much as the ending was very, very sad, um, I think it's very realistic, you know?
1: Yeah. I was actually really quite surprised to see Mary die in the end, and that hit me yeah. more than watching Michael get shot because she was a bystander she was kind of innocent her last words were dad yeah um and it's it's a, it's pretty emotional yeah and it's interesting cuz in that scene she was she was asking him why why are you doing this to me
0: yeah um, like why why won't you let me love the person i want to love and that was exactly why if she had been involved with him the likelihood of her getting hurt was much higher and i just think isn't it so ironic and sad that he was doing everything he could to protect her, and because of that, she died?
1: I was thinking about it because he kept saying, I'm trying to protect you, and apart from the obvious dating your cousin kind of thing, yeah. wh- what is he protecting him from? Oh, Vincent's the new Don now, and he's got people after him. It could be dangerous because Michael says that they go after the ones that they love. Mm-hmm. So that's another th- risk for being involved with him, apart from the obvious. Yeah. And that's what he was really trying to protect her from, and it ultimately leads to her demise. Yeah. Which is unfortunate. Yes. I think watching this third part kind of makes me appreciate the first two a little better, and I would like to watch the whole series again because I think I quite like the saga as a whole entity. Yeah. Because, like I've said in previous episodes, I like to follow this one sort of story arc, this one character, all the way through, from the start to the finish, because it has more weight behind it. When you know what their decisions are like and what they are as a person and how their life went this way, I really quite like the trilogy, and I think I like it a little bit better now that I've seen the third part.
0: I think so too. I actually really agree with you in saying that the third part kind of makes the other two make a little bit more sense to me. And I also would really like to give it a watch through the whole thing again later. Probably not anytime really soon. Yeah, <laughs>
1: we've, we've spent a lot of time on The Godfather later. Yeah, give it a break. You said before that they all three of them have their own different feel, and I completely agree with that, and yet they all feel like Godfather movies. And I think being able to do that and create three films that feel like the same entity, but... Each of them have their own different feel is a very good characteristic, and it's it's really quite a difficult thing to achieve. And I think that credit is due to Coppola to be able to do that. That's a good trilogy. Yeah.
0: No, it's impressive.
1: I think Paramount was trying to push for a part four by the late '90s, and I think it was going to be set just before Godfather One, so it was going to be like young Sonny and young Michael.
0: Oh, okay.
1: The article that I read on it, they were looking to cast Leo DiCaprio as Sonny, because he was quite young at the time doing Titanic and such. Uh, but that would have just been terrible, it honestly. It would have.
0: And the thing is, like, aside from the obvious of him not looking like the original actor, I don't think he would have played it very well. I don't think he would have played it the right way. Yeah,
1: he wouldn't have played it quite the way that the original actor did. And... It wasn't long after part three was made that Mario Puzo died, so you wouldn't even have his consultancy on yeah. that.
0: No, it was good that they just left well enough yeah, to just Yeah, just leave it. Just leave it. Too much of a good thing, right? Yeah, and then you just wreck the whole batch.
1: I just wanted to take this moment to announce that next month's Honorable Mention episode will be The Revenant from 2016, because I'm very surprised that that film's not in the top 250. And I think that it should be deserved to have a discussion about. And we will be having a special guest on that episode. So stick around until after the end music to figure out who that is.
0: (laughs) We have been Danielle and Brenton this week. Thanks for joining us. Feel free to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or comment on SoundCloud. And until next time, thanks for listening.
1: It's no one special, it's just my sister.